0: The Excelsior Podcast.
1: Hey everyone, welcome back to the new episode of the Excelsior Podcast. With 2023, I thought, why not begin with a power pack ensemble? Like today, I have I have with us Mr. Suhas, Subin, and Mr. Sagnik. So esteemed panelists please like you know introduce yourself for the sake of the audience suhas beginning with you please
0: thanks so much omkar uh for hosting this i know we've been back and forth for a bunch but like you said i'm glad to start off 2023 with this um and yeah super excited to have Sagnik and zubin along so hopefully it's an interesting discussion over the next step um quick background um uh, I started my career in consulting, moved into an early stage startup. And for the last couple of years, I've been with a CPG company, a large CPG company, um, doing internal product there. Uh, on the side, I have grown out one of Asia's largest product management communities called the Product Folks, and uh, have, ha- have had chance of interacting with more than 400 senior product leaders across uh, Asia and North America. Hopefully this year we scale a lot more globally. Uh, But that's primarily where a lot of my learnings and uh, whatever I'll be sharing on this pod comes from. Um, Yeah, that's just a small background, but uh, hopefully a lot more as we progress here.
2: Zubin? Hey, Ongar. Thank you so much for the invite. Uh, Really looking forward to the session that we have ahead of us. Uh, Quick context about me. Uh, I'm a senior software developer at LinkedIn currently. I work on the job seeker experience team. Uh, If you want to put that into uh, a visual representation, then that would be when you go on LinkedIn and search for a job. Um, The easy apply buttons that you see beneath the jobs, that's the exact funnel that my team works on uh, from start to end. Um, So it's about the hearing back mechanisms as well. Uh, the jobs that you're recommending are, do they match the job seekers' interests? Uh, Are they aligned with what their goals and passions are? Um, That is something that our team deals with. Uh, I've been in the corporate sector for about three and a half years now. Uh, I graduated uh, from uh, University of Washington in Seattle back in 2019. Uh, Since then, I've had the opportunity to work at two companies, LinkedIn being my second one. I was earlier at Microsoft. Uh, I was working, uh, I started off working at Microsoft Azure uh, in the uh, enterprise uh, billing team. Um, and then I, after working for one and a half years over there, I moved on to Microsoft Teams. And this is also when the pandemic had just kicked in. So I was able to be at the epicenter of that product when it was experiencing uh, spiral growth, so to say. So, it was great to see how the product was able to like scale to meet the demands of uh, so many people across the globe. Uh, and whatever I'll be talking about today will have a little bit of highlights uh, from uh, these
3: areas.
1: Sagnik.
3: Hey, everyone. Thank you for calling me again. Um, so, a bit of intro of me I did my undergrad and master's from States itself, and I started off. Uh, as a business system analyst with Google and then I moved to product. And since 2020 I was um, I'm in India and I, then I got the opportunity of working in some of the uh, startups in India. So uh, I've always enjoyed the product world well and having a coming experience from let's say from the Silicon Valley, uh, working uh, in some of the um, big companies, I got the chance and also working in the startups here. I think I, I really now understand the both what a startup culture is as well as uh, bigger organizations. So I think I'll bring that to the conversation today.
1: So, yeah, thank you so much for all the introductions. And, you know, like my first question to all of you all is feel free to jump in, whoever sees, you know, whoever wants to. Is like, did you all come across what, you know, whatever roles you're working on, like with Suhas and Sagan, it's product for Zubin, it's actually being a dev and, you know, software person at the core. Like, did you all come to it like, you know, okay, this is exactly what I want to pursue? Or did you like, you know, come across it while you were exploring different things?
0: Any I'll probably, yeah. yeah, go, go ahead. Yeah. I just saw you.
3: No, uh, so far, I think uh, coming from a business as a manager, I felt the next transition would have been in the product world. I, I see a lot of similarities uh, in of that. But then if you ask me that, um, when I moved to the product world, was it like a B2C or B2P? B? I was, I took whatever came in front of me and it was primarily b 2 B. And uh, I think that's how I would say my transition happened and it was a very natural transition from a, a business system analyst. And once I moved to the product world, I did see people, even like from developers, you know, who want to go to the management side or manage things, uh, they also have had a transition. So
0: I would say uh, that's how uh, my transition happened. Got it. Uh, Mine has been slightly accidental as well. Uh, I knew I wanted to get into product post-consulting, not because I knew about product management very well back then or I'd learned it formally or done some courses. I happened to get to know about it through a teammate and call it naive. It wasn't too many years ago. I could, I should have probably come across when we're all in this tech bubble. Uh, but I got to know it uh, from a teammate of mine. So we were, we were working together on a project and he put down his papers and I said, okay, where are you going? And he said, I'm going to company XYZ that. and uh, what role? It wasn't in the same space. He was moving to product management. Said, okay, interesting. What is product management? And that's how you know i discovered product management and then i realized okay now this is something that i'm also interested in by that time i I'd, I'd started attending couple of these startup events right and so there was a mix i started getting introduced to startup and i knew okay i didn't know what role i wanted to but I, I definitely wanted to explore working with an early stage startup so that was something that was already going on now i knew what role i wanted to now go for Okay, this is where then I started transitioning and I got my first break by cold emailing some early stage founders starting off I used to, uh, these funding reports that used to come up and uh, I saw okay who's raising and then I used to LinkedIn I used to search the founder on LinkedIn and I used to drop them a message uh, and it used to be as simple as uh, what what is famous today as moonlighting and back then I used to just tell that hey is it something I can help you with <laughs> right I used to very transparently tell them that this is where I am. I don't have a background. I'm always help out wherever you're starting, but that would help me understand product management. I used to be as, and it used to be a really short message. no long formal stuff. It used to be very direct like that. I luckily got a chance with, there was a senior product lead from OYO who had quit and was starting up. So uh, that is where I got a break. And since then, I think a year there, then started the community before I left to Europe. So definitely accidental for me. And this was, how I got into product management. Um, post which, I think uh, lots of the learning came by interacting with senior product leaders. Then I started reading a lot and on the job. I'd say these are three ways I started breaking in. So, accidental plus then on the job is what I would say my journey has been. Well, that's awesome, Sivas. Uh,
2: pretty inspirational to hear that now. Yeah, the way I stumbled upon product management is, I'll be very honest, I did not know about it uh, when I was in college. Uh, I don't think anyone was talking about it as well. Especially, uh, like a lot of Indians, I had the mindset that tech only meant engineering. That's what I had gone in with. Uh, but I think it was during my internship at Microsoft that I realized that, oh, I'm actually talking to a lot of people. And uh, people who are basically ideating on what to build are the ones who are the product managers. And uh, that is what my first interaction with product is was. Um, and to be really honest, that sort of clicked with me. Uh, that hey, this is the thing I'm actually really interested in. And after that point of time, uh, started reading into it. In fact, uh, my uh, apartment mate was prepping for his product management interviews, and we used to do mocks together. And at that point of time, I really like. I started admiring at a different level because the kind of questions and the kind of strategy-based uh, challenges that uh, the product management role uh, had uh, was something that really resounded with what my interests were as well. So uh, I started prepping for it just for the sake of it because I found it to be fun rather than preparing for an interview. Um, it's just to like, it's, it's it's a really good exercise to practice your uh, gray cells on that area because it helps you that I can really attest to. Uh, and uh, today I tried all those uh, techniques or all that learning into my engineering skills as well which has helped me a lot and it really helps in the corporate ladder as well because you're not only able to like sell your technical standpoint but also from a user perspective story as well which is I think one of the main things that a lot of people don't talk a lot about is that product management is a lot about something as well and setting your vision to the stakeholders and uh, that is something that unfortunately is um, not uh, taught a very crucial skill in software dev itself and that is something that I try to employ. so yeah that that is what my brief encounter with product management was which is now a main part of my uh, daily First of all uh, what led to
1: the curation and creation of the product folks because I was just going through the website and you know it just really uh, sparked my interest because there's a job portal there are case studies, there are, you know, like uh, various events, there's an events roster. So like, was it something which you learned like, okay, maybe I want to like, you know, uh, help out other people who are trying to break into certain roles? Or was it like, you know, you uh, you just sort of do it? Like, what was the whole like, you know, um, thinking? Beyond?
0: I know everyone on Twitter shits on LinkedIn, but I have gotten my break, both of them, right? uh the first uh the break into product came via linkedin uh i wasn't even very active now twitter is a different volume but at that time I wasn't even very active on twitter and even my opportunity to actually go work in europe happened via linkedin and this was inbound right so for me linkedin has been like my profile has happened <laughs> so whatever said and done i don't agree with a lot of people it's just uh, some parts of it, right? You should like call it out maybe the news feed. How do you curate that better? There are stuff like that. But I don't think there is a, if, if you're looking for opportunities, uh, LinkedIn is is a gold mine, right? Like the, there is no other platform in the world that has all of this together. It's just how people use it is very different. So I just wanted to say that since you know the so on the curve Um about TPF, I think uh again, very honestly, when we started off, uh no one really expected it to become this big. Not me, not not the early members, not the people I reached out to. So when I usually do this deck about intro to TPF, I have these memes there, right? Like the kind of reaction that I used to get and I used to reach out to people about the product for early days and now how that is, right? Uh, but yeah, when we started, it was just offline events. Idea was uh, I had broken into product maybe a year that time in about about a year, and I was talking to a little uh, little senior people, right? Imagine directors, etc. Trying to grab coffee with them, uh, understand how do I navigate my own career? What should I be expecting next? Um, stuff like that. Then I thought, okay, it might be interesting to open this up a little, right? What if others could be a fly on the wall here, um, and I'd get to meet more interesting product managers. So selfishly, that was also my motive of starting these offline events. And in, once you get interesting people in the same room, then, you know, in, in, you don't know what, let's serendipity play its part. So that's it, right? Just doing offline events. Started with one event in Bangalore. Uh, pre-pandemic, we were doing monthly events across 12 cities. Um, when pandemic hit, by that time, I think the early community, we realized, okay, there are certain gaps that uh, we can do, We the community can solve for. Um, and that's when we started doing a lot more in the education space. So you would see we moved into upskilling, um, where we initially it was just a curation of resources, right? Post which then we realized, okay, what if we could get senior people to actually do a more organized cohort? And we went into live learning. After live learning, again, the community said, Okay, hey, this is great from the upskilling fund, but we're still not able to transition. So then came the job opportunity bit. So we started layering up. Then came the networking. We were like, okay, hey, we're moving into the pandemic. A lot of offline had stopped. Then we started online networking. And um, I think uh, the best part has been like most of the stuff that we've ended up building has come from the community. So on day one, we've never had a problem of building something like just as product managers, right? I, I love to uh, draw parallels between product management and community management. With just a product managers, you might go listen to the users, build something that they want. I think here it's very very simple, right? So anything that you launch, you know for a fact there'll be you know ten thousand members at least would use it. Today the community is more than I think one hundred fifty thousand strong. So, ball game, yeah, very, very different today. Um, but that's exciting, right? So, I think now at least it feels like, okay, here the foundation is there. What can we do more from here? But early days, yeah, definitely a lot of chaos, a lot, lot of figuring out. And uh, 100% didn't expect we'd be here. So, truthfully, I think. That should, I think, it, it's still day zero. To be very honest, I think it, it is It is now that things become a lot more exciting. Now that you have this um, early member base, how do you scale it from here, things become a lot more exciting.
1: You know, to be honest, 150k is a very you know damn good number, to be honest. Yeah. Like, it's not easy. Yeah. <laughs> so kudos mm-hmm. to you and the team. Honestly so I would like speaking. to direct the next question yes. to you, Saganik. And actually, Zubin. I would like to hear your thoughts as well on the same. So like, you know... Uh, Sagnik so like, you worked at Apple, Google, you know, Meta as well. So, like, would you say like having the technical know-how and understanding what the tech team is saying is something that is quite crucial. And, you know, have you seen like product people who are just, you know, novitiates? Like they're struggling with, you know, the whole communication aspect when it comes to product and tech. And uh, like cross-functional communication is something which I personally have, you know, I was just following a Reddit Thread the other day. So the, there was this guy who just started off as an APM at a certain company. They so like, damn, I'm not understanding what the dev team is trying to tell me. Like, what do I do? So is that something you yourself have seen?
3: So my, I think coming from business system analyst, I was aware of like SQL and how database works, And like the A.P.I. languages and also let's say Java, Ruby, Rails. Um, MongoDB and all this I was aware of it and how it's structured so I think and that was just me learning you know and I, for learning today with a bit of maturity I think that there was a bit scared childish I would say is ask questions there's nothing called silly questions you know and whenever you are working anyone be it a big organization small organization anyone even, even today you are com- you have summit. Certain, let's say, commitments you have to honor. Let's say you have some deliverables, which is on you. If you have to take an engineer in a room and there's a whiteboard and you say, draw everything on the architect, and you don't understand it, it's okay to do that. I think that is one fear I had that, oh, I'll be stupid. You know, when I was in Google, I was like, oh my God, these guys are smart, like billion guys. And me asking this question doesn't even make sense. But later I found out that I should have asked that question. So I think that's one way I would say to anyone to raise the gap. And communication in, uh, you know, that uh, might be an old school thought. I think documentation plays a huge part. So whatever you do, right, have a proper document. Like in a product world, we call a PRD. Let's get on average for a required document, right? Even a, a product manager should have a technical aspect. Where, you know, you write, okay, this is the technical aspect of it. and you communicate with an engineering manager and say, you know, please do like step one, step two, step three, whatever is required to be documented. And never, ever um, forget minutes of the meeting. If it's a big meeting, send that communication out. Say, these are the points A, B, whatever. How many points are And get everyone signed off. I think that's where you will easily make sure that the uh, cross-functional is, uh, you reduce the gaps over there. So I think these are things which I've learned and I've seen, which is very important. I know people might not say, oh, maybe it doesn't matter. It's like, oh, everyone's aware of it. And use the tools. Like, if you have, uh, take a screenshot of your board, whatever the what, put it in that email. You know, this was there. Because when a project grows, any organization, and something with what said, like when he's now, now when you're dealing with 150K, you want to get everyone on board. You don't know what happened in the last meeting. People's opinion changed everything. So if you can get everything documented, this was then the last, and you go to the next. I think that clarity will help you. So take pictures, write it out, and for uh, communicating AGS, you don't understand. That's not a problem. But definitely, please ask questions. Don't feel over the stupid question is a stupid question. That's my point.
1: You know, actually, I would like to hear what uh, Zubin and vas have to say say on this as well. So please. Please jump in. Yeah, uh,
2: completely agree with what Sagnik said. Uh, Just a quick tidbit on the documentation, part. it's imperative to have good documentation that explains or gives context because yeah, being 3.5 years into the corporate world, I have to say that, you know, uh, writing code is definitely the easier part of the job because it is the predictable, predictable part of the job. It is managing and uh, dealing with expectations and conveying those expectations across different stakeholders. That is the unpredictable part of the job, which is where the gray area lies. That is where like, I've had to personally like really, uh, work on. And I was lucky enough to like have, uh, an early on mentor as my manager, uh, who told me about this. Uh, and he wasn't, he's an edge manager. And even then he was like, yeah, these are the things that are probably going to be the more crucial ones, especially when you're like, when you have, leadership visibility on certain emails and deadlines and stuff like that to it, it, the the communication gap does exist um, and there are like a couple of reasons for that and maybe we can like take an, a, a product driven approach for this on how to uh, go about solving it as well you cannot expect to you cannot expect for me if i have to like share some concerns uh, about the engineering details of a particular product right i cannot expect uh, a product manager and a designer to respond the same email in the same way that i have intended it to be you have really got to understand the audience that you're conveying your message to you have really got to understand what their points are and how to align your particular technical technical uh, abilities to them in a way that they are able to understand Being a product manager it definitely helps, especially in a tech company. This definitely helps uh, to come from a a tech background just because of the fact that you're able to empathize with your customer a bit more. You know what exactly they're talking about. But it is also about taking that extra step of trying to empathize more with who you're conveying that particular message to, right? So I think the number one thing that has been truly helpful to me uh is making sure that whoever i'm drafting the email to or whoever i'm conveying that message to in terms of requirements or in terms of deadlines or in terms of expectations i make sure that i give a text and be context that resounds with their perception of the product as well it is not just about the technical debt but how will it impact let's say the product delivery timeline which pms might be interested in or the product strategy because if I'm not able to like, deliver on a certain feature, then the, then the, the whole product ideation has to like, sit on it and make sure that we have uh, enough ways around that. Or if, it, or if there is a, uh, let's say, if, if there is a technical, like if you do not have the technical expertise to deliver a certain feature in a certain way, then the designers may have to come in and uh, see around a way to how to like, leverage an existing solution to like, build about a product. So that, that really helps, um, and uh, B, in here at LinkedIn, I never expected this, but I'm writing around five or six pages of documents just to convince people, man. And it, is, uh, it was really hard at first, but it's extreme, extremely useful because A, when you document stuff, you are forced to think about each and every aspect that will definitely be missed during a call or a team meeting. Um, so writing that stuff down and putting all the things into that document really helps because you're not missing anything. And you make sure that each and everything is listed down. And uh, as include as many screenshots, include as much visual flair to the document as well, because that really helps boil down the big picture into as few words as possible. So yeah, I think over communication, there is no thing as over communication, over communicate. (laughs) That is what I've learned and uh, document everything and make sure that you understand the audience uh, who you're documenting it for. If uh, when you're building a product, you also have got to understand the customer that you're building the product for, right? A document is exactly the same thing. It is a product that you're building for maybe designers or product managers or the leadership, right? You just have to understand what their pain points are and what are the things that they prioritize and are interested in most.
0: Absolutely. I think uh, Zubin and Sagnik probably covered most of it. Uh, One thing, maybe I'll go a little depth on on what has helped me tactically. Uh, I think one thing common between the three We probably work for large companies uh, where documentation is ingrained, right? Because when you enter a team, when you enter organizations, the scale that they're at, there's some process already. Of course, you can come optimize it based on your learnings in your previous companies, et cetera. Uh, But in large tech, somewhere these processes are already set in um versus i'll take another stance where you're at a slightly early stage company right like so just to get in some other points where where usually there is no process of documenting you're rather spending most of your time on figuring out what to build of course there the documentation might be many product specs to start off with and then you'll have a running document which would eventually become your prd etc that documentation process hopefully uh, does set in but very very early stage maybe that also isn't as um set in stone like how we'd have it in in later stage companies right i think um two three things that helped there um especially in remote environments i right? worked uh even at the early stage startup even even across uh, across continents right Right, i'm sitting in bangalore a team a team is in multiple places one thing that's helped me is uh, recordings right especially through the pandemic tools like loom um, many a time what happens is documentation is also present Even if you're doing it in big teams, it's just that people don't end up reading it, right? That culture of reading. And this is a more Indian thing I've seen versus Acharya India. I think culturally, we're not ingrained to reading these documents. It could be and documentation also overflows, right? They are sometimes present, but not updated. Sometimes uh, there what you don't know where to search for these documents right there are often lots of other issues that come along with it so what I like doing is sending across a small loom recording right that stays with them sometimes what happens in a live conversation like this uh, if there is a note taking habit great if there is a recording habit great but then recordings are also 30 minutes 60 minutes long and people don't come back. So I think the larger challenge there lies here in some processes, documentations are missing in some cases, documentations are present, but no one's reading it. Right? So that problem that I try to solve is via like five to 10 minute loom recording along with the document. Of course, if there's already a document, just circle back and say, okay, Hey, this is what we want to focus on either do it pre pre-meeting, right? You're, you're essentially just sending a TLDR, right? Whether you put it on text, whether I, I like doing it in, in a recording format, uh, that said, I love Zubin's point as well on saying that hey, writing definitely helps you bring a lot more clarity, right? So in the longer term, if you can put yourself in that habit, whether for yourself, whether for others, I think that is important. But tactically, I think just adding a five-minute loom recording of what you're trying to say, that recording stays with, you know, person XYZ who wants to refer to it later. And um, I think Sagnik also mentioned very interesting is that, uh, create a culture where they can definitely reach out to you for more questions, right? So if there's a problem where you're not under understanding something um, if the culture is a little more amicable that person can reach out to you, saying even if it's on dm right so i think as a product manager that is the, your people skills also become super important right um, these are two things that i think at least at early stage that that is a little more important as your company grows i think processes set in um, and sometimes it's very difficult to navigate through processes as well but i think these are two tactical things that have that have helped me so far you
1: know, first of
3: all... Oh, I'm, I'm sorry, Salim. Please, please worry. As, uh, so, I said, one of the most interesting challenges I had when I started working for a startup in India, Like I'm so used to the documentation process, right? Over right. here, it's like short to the point fast. Right. So, I need to rebuild that. And second, yeah. I worked for a company in Delhi where my Hindi is very poor. As I was uh-huh. born and raised outside India. They couldn't understand my English. <laughs> you know what I mean? Yeah. Anything? So then they had someone to convert in Hindi, oh, wow. and lost communication over there. And that was like I was very surprised that later I got to know that. Oh wow! And it was in pandemic time that like hey you know like they, my English they some they understand they more used to be Hindi and like all of those things. Yeah, guess, no,
0: that's very interesting. And that's true. That's true. I think unknowingly, when you're working in India, a lot of your uh, conversation, even professional conversations, tend to not be in English. Sometimes, right? Mm-hmm. I've seen that across a lot of, lot of startups here. Uh, Another thing that helps me, if you are someone who take conversations on the box, I've, I've been working remote for a bit. I think uh, uh, speech to text has improved a lot, right? So usually, I also use a lot of speech to text, uh, especially like say documentation is uh is necessary is a necessity right today there is no scaling without documentation you need to get to it but how you get to it there are at least technology help get there whether it's these loom recordings whether you know you you convert a lot of tools today helping you just transcribe what you're saying i think a lot of these tiny tools help you in your efficiency today all of us have 24 hours how you can extract the best of it, use technology to aid your process, and uh, slowly, it's not going to happen uh, in a in a country like India. It's still not going to happen overnight. Right? Um, so, so like that iterative process is where you will need to come to. It. And like Sagnik said, I think uh, language is another very very interesting point that you brought up. Right? I think.
2: Um, oh, can I just bring out one more aspect okay. to it? Uh, so there is actually an incentive to documenting or sending on meeting notes in the form of a recording or in the form of uh, highlights as well, which is that you're able to stand out as well. That's the incentive in terms of you have now, now leadership has visibility of you that you took the initiative to actually condense down the meeting into five bullet points and send it across different, also different teams. That builds your repo with other teams as well, which matters a lot when it comes to career progression. So you might be doing great things, but if you're not conveying them to different people, then people don't know about it. So this is a great way to, for example, if you're shadowing a PM, right, which is probably what I think Sohas was doing, that he started off working, helping uh, a lot of PMs. Some advice that I got along the way was that, hey, if you want to start doing this, just start documenting stuff and start helping me with the grunt work, which no one likes doing. That is actually an area, uh, that is a great area to like uh, get into, to build your repo, to build those skills that are required and to actually do the work that no one else is willing to do. And it also builds respect in the uh, career community as well. So I think that's the incentive uh, for documenting in any form, uh, if possible.
0: Huge hack, yeah, 100% record. I think if you're entering into product or any role, I think it's a great way, just, you know, all the points that you mentioned.
2: Technical aptitude
1: as important, you know, as each other. Or would you say, like, you know, no, perhaps give technical aptitude a lot more uh, this thing, time, rather than focusing more on soft skills. Yeah, I think that's the way I could just work.
0: I'll, I'll answer that in one line. Okay. So, your network can only help you if your skill is strong enough, right? So both are equally important. Spend more time on both of them, but your network will open doors, Right. So that is equally important. You will get a lot of opportunity. Let serendipity play its part. Right. That's been my my journey so far. And I've I've enjoyed it. Right. So everyone has their part to it. So let serendipity play its part. That's why the network is important. But at the same time, once your door opens, if you do not have the skill, you're still not going to get that opportunity. So that is how you look at now, whether it's 50-50 on both 70-30 is based on your background, your comfort, like what what are you more comfortable with, right? If your technical skills aren't so strong, definitely work on that before you get into, you know, hey, I want to build like the craziest network here. Network will not be able to do anything if you do not have the skill to back it up. Second, network will automatically, if you're really good at it, right? If you're really good at your skill. Play for that. Like uh, I think in today's world, everyone's focusing on creating a personal brand. Everyone's focusing on, um, creating content, right? Do that. I'm not saying no to it at all. Right. It does help you. But at the same time, the best kind of, uh, network you will build is when your peers start, uh, vouching for you. So that is the number one, or that is the landing landing step, right? So if you're really good at something, you will get invited to places. All right. You will get discovered. What first focus is at least get to a stable state and post which definitely like a layer. It's never going to be okay. Only my skill is going to take me to places or only my network is going to take me to place. How do you balance is okay. Let my base at least be slightly strong and then let my network open doors to me. I know that was a little more than a line, but uh, I just wanted to expand on it.
1: No, actually, you really like hit the nail with that. I would say. <laughs>
2: uh, do
3: you have anything to add on that? Um. Yes, I think I, I agree everything what uh, Suwas said, right? And I feel that uh, in my own journey, as when I did my so I was. I grew up in, it's not treatment. I grew up in Kuwait and then my education was British education, right? And in my undergrad in state. So I think they teach a lot of balance of like soft skills and how to communicate. I think my experience skill set is also important. Like skill set, like you said, it's very hard to say what's your priority. Like I think I, I needed to focus more on my skills at first. I felt the soft skill was definitely there. As I'm seeing my career as the senior and getting out the people I've gotten the chance to speak to, is your communication becomes the key, <laughs> and I would say like each word matters. Like for example, as Sundar Pichain and Google you each word, each email he says. I think there's a huge part, and I think. Uh, um, so, it's it's what stage in your career you're in, which you really uh, in my journey. What I had to focus on when I started, it was more like. Um, I needed to build my skill set first. I, I knew the soft skill was my strength. So I'm like, I need to focus on that. But I definitely thought like let's like an SQL took me a lot of time, like something with inner joint, outer joints. It took me a lot of time to understand the concept. But I really believe that uh it's something, it goes back to what's what's is that. Where are you in which stage in your career? And what is something which is uh, very important? And I think that's uh, my intake between that.
2: Yeah, I, I completely agree with what Sagnik and has just said. Uh, I think they sounded up pretty well. But it that that point of like what stage of your career are what stage of your career you are in? I think that really resounded with me. Uh, the reason for that is uh, that uh, initially, uh, when you're hired for a particular job, it is for a very very specific skill set that they need at that particular point of time, right? So uh, definitely build on that. Uh, definitely be the expert in that and try to be the go-to person who is every, who everyone is asking those questions to. Right? That is what builds credibility. That is what builds respect and that is what automatically builds a network. When you rise, you will realize that that is a process that generally never happens on your own doing. You really need the help of a lot of people to start getting up to a particular level and that automatically builds a network. From what I have seen, in the past three and a half years is that when we get those promo docs right slowly and slowly when you're like rising up in the levels the promo docs start diverging away from the technical aptitude and they start spreading up into the networking aptitude of the person because now you really need other people to vouch for you and i see that documented when we are writing a promo docs Uh, and that's probably because of the reason that you've already proved your metal if you have been in software engineering for five or six years at a particular company you already have a lot of contextual knowledge you're already an expert at something so they are expecting you to be the go-to person it's all about whether other people recognize that talent or not so and whether other people recognize your value or not and at that point of time that networking effect and that soft skill aspect of the job really kicks in but for people who are earlier in their careers, I would definitely, definitely recommend toward to you know, take the time out and really build a solid foundation in whatever domain you're working in just so that you're able to get to that stage a little faster than everyone else.
3: You know, one of the... I was pulled in a meeting. I was in a startup, is, which I found it very difficult and was that I think when I transitioning from a senior product manager to a principal product manager, I, they were told, you don't need to go in depth with everything. You're supposed to delegate. And people should come and ask you questions. But you should, let's say, let's you're doing five features of five projects. You should be giving it to point, point A, B, C, or all those members. I found that transition quite challenging. I felt I had to do it. And then I asked myself why, because when I was in business system, manager or APM, I did the dirty work. So I feel that I still have to do it. That mental switch was tremendously difficult for me to delegate and look at the overview, you know. And that's when um, the, my mentor and like my manager also told me, "I think in this transitional shift, you need to stop doing the work and just delegate and, and making sure what what they're doing is uh, more like." go in the correct uh, direction because your input is more valuable than your execution score. So that's something which was tremendously challenging for me exactly a year ago. Like i found it very difficult as one of my hardest things that I spend a lot of time on how to delegate, how to manage and all that stuff.
1: Transferable skills and networking is something like, you know, I would really like to tackle. So I would say there are, there have been occasions when, in which I've realized like, you know, my past jobs at startups have helped me realize, helped me like you know hone certain skills that are helping me in my current job. So would you all say like you know, working at the roles all are working at? Transferable skills are something that are really play a, key, play a key role as such. And if so, why? Like, and how have they helped you all in general? Zubin,
0: starting with you this time.
2: So so, how's it, go for it. Like, if you have no no, I, I was just it.
0: going to say, Dubin, do you want to take it? I'm just going to say the same.
2: Uh, I'm sorry. I, I was in the middle of typing a message. Uh, so we are talking about transferable skills, right?
1: Yes, yes, yes.
2: Uh, yeah. I I think. Uh, sorry, sorry, Omkar. This is my the take of taking a beat. Could you just repeat the question once again? I, I so
1: uh, yeah, so I would just like to uh, know, like, how have transferable skills helped you? And you know. With regards to the job we have at at, at LinkedIn, basically, uh,
2: in an, in unexpected ways. Man, uh, for example, uh, the uh, books that I was uh, reading at a particular point of time. For example, I was reading Atomic Habits at a certain point of time. Has helped me form the processes not only for myself but my team that helps us uh, day in day out. Uh, in another aspect, uh, I uh, started learning snowboarding uh, maybe a year or two ago. And uh, that helps me connect with my teammates at a, in Seattle at a different level. You will never know what kind of a skill is going to give you, what kind of a bonding moment uh, with your teammates. You never know that. I just wanted to share one personal anecdote over here. Uh, it is crazy how it all connects up, right? Uh, I was uh, sort of an awkward kid in the school. And... Uh, I thought that uh, solving the Rubik's cube is going to be a cool way to start making friends, right? So I learned uh, how to solve a Rubik's cube and eventually I got pretty good at it. I was solving it in like a, in around 30 seconds or something. Okay, this was back in 10th grade uh, and this is back in Delhi. Skip forward to my third year in college in UW Seattle. There is a career fair that is going on. My friends out here in, the, in college already know that, hey, I'm able to like solve the Rubik's cube because of course I've been in a show-off and I've been showing off these skills to make friends or at least that is what I think but it turns out that there is a career fair uh, and it was one of those career fairs that i had not gone to which was insane that because i was not missing any career fairs i, I was i always had like a pack of 10 resumes in a bag and i was literally giving that out on the road itself but uh, there was this career fair my friend was there and he told me zubin whatever do you whatever you're doing leave it and run and come to uh, this particular career fair because there is a company that, that was not for hiring there was a company that was handing out a thousand dollars for uh, to anyone who was able to solve the Rubik's cube in the fastest time for the time that th- that company was there. So I went there with zero intention of you know actually talking to the people at that company booth. But uh, when I saw the Rubik's cube, apparently the ma- uh, the hiring manager was standing there, and he's like, "That's awesome because probably I, I, in that time frame I was the fastest out there." Uh, and as it turns out that in the day there was one person who beat my time and got the $1,000, but you know what happened? I had a conversation with the hiring manager because of that Rubik's cube. He said that I should be looking forward to these particular roles, which are actually not listed out uh, in the roles that they were selling at that point of time. I interviewed there, Uh, I then got invited for the on-site rounds as well, and I ended up getting the job. That was the first job offer that I got, and that is because of a Rubik's cube that I uh, knew how to solve. So. I had never, ever imagined that a Rubik's Cube is going to lead to a conversation with a hiring manager, which is then going to lead into interviews, which is then going to lead into my first job offer from a startup. So keep on working on your extra skills. Keep on working on whatever motivates you passionate or whatever you're passionate about, because you never know where in this big puzzle that we are all trying to solve
3: is that piece going to fit. Yeah, that's, that's my take on it. Yeah, I, I can... Yeah, yeah, please go ahead. I, I feel it's uh I agree with uh, Zomir, you know, like for me, cricket, uh, golf was some of the skills and in the Bay, as a lot of Indians, like uh, all the... Um, surprisingly, all the companies that were there cricket clubs and soccer clubs. So I ended up playing uh, with them. And uh, that's how, like, I um let's say from a sports kind interactive, but for me, I think it's it's just life. It's not a skills. I think it's if you have any of these things in life that, you know, uh, let's say like when uh, you know your said about the cube, I think it's just uh, life skills and it will help you throughout the journey. No knowledge is stupid. Even something as cooking also, you know, you'll find in bigger organizations. I know for a fact like LinkedIn or Microsoft Apple, they have like all these Clubs, you know, like a sports club, cricket club, cooking club. You meet people, you interact with people. And I think that's something which uh, uh, these skill sets will never go into uh, waste. And then when it came to the, I would say the product role, I think my first kick came because I just kept uh, trying, kept applying and applying and applying. And I learned that in, in my uh, college with homework, saying like if I fail something and I like, keep redoing and redoing it, I, I use the same skill set for my uh, first uh, job itself. So I I believe that uh, even today, even let's say taking a meditation class, I think has helped me in my work to, you know, like help people slow down or manage my team, manage different personalities because everyone's in very, like, uh, have their own thing. So uh, all these skills definitely uh, play a huge part in that. One thing to an aspirant who's trying to make it
1: into said company, like what would you all tell? Like Zubin, beginning with you,
2: What I would like to, um, yeah. three words, be relentlessly consistent. Uh, it's hard, but I think, uh, that is what it boils down to. Whoever wants it more is, uh, is going to work towards getting that. You may not get it in the first try. I did not get it in my first 50 tries. Uh, I was getting rejection emails after I started working at Microsoft for one and a half years. <laughs> so it's fine. It's, it's completely okay. Uh, but just being relentlessly consistent with whatever it is that you're doing. I think uh, that is what it was. Uh, what well,
3: Jubin yeah. said, I agree because of the first how I got my game Second is that uh, I believe in that I might not be the most uh, talented guy, but I will outwork you. If you work 40 hours, I'll work 60 hours or 80 hours, you know, and I will gain my skill set and improve in that. That's point number one. And point number two would yeah. definitely be is that. Be approachable. No one never thinks you're the best, never think you're like you made it in life you're never get your ego any of the way. anyone want it is just be an approachable person because you never know that uh, what that can do to you. So I always believe in trying to be as approachable as possible and easily accessible as well as I the to ask for someone be who you are that's very important. You don't try to mold yourself or change yourself. Be you Let the natural life transition make you evolve.
1: Hi, I'm Umkar Kapade. If you stayed this long and if you love this episode, why not consider sharing and subscribing?